Welcome to the Gap Church Podcast, where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Please enjoy this week's message. Hey, hey, everybody. Wasn't that an amazing time of worship? Y'all go ahead and give some claps. It's going to be an awesome time. We are super, super excited. So if you're in the chat box right now, which you should be, I want you to throw some hearts. I want you to say, hey, guys, I'm excited for the service. We have been preparing, and I know it's really cold, but thank God, you know, we got the light, so we're warm over here. But um, we have been preparing, and we're super excited. I want to introduce myself. My name is Melise, and I'm one of the leaders here at the Gap Church. And my name is Saskia, and I'm also one of the leaders here at the Gap Church. Uh, my name is Egosa Osayande Uyohomba, and I, too, am one of the leaders of the Gap Church. Y'all see how extra he was? He had to give his whole name. It's That's fine. me. That's me. It's fine. But we are super, super excited. Like I said, we are going to get into it. We want to have a quick word of prayer. You know, at the Gap Church, we love to pray. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to share with your people, oh God. We thank you for this community that we have at the Gap Church. We thank you for each and every person watching, Lord. Father God, we know that you are already in our midst, oh Lord, and we pray that the people will be blessed by your word, oh God, blessed by this time of fellowship, oh God, and let the word saturate in their hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 All right. So we're talking about value-adding relationships. And when the word team gave us this topic, I was like, oh, this is good. Augusta was like, yeah, this is good. Saskia was like, yeah, this is really good. So we are like super excited. And before we get into it, we're going to get into the word, but um, I want to know what value-adding relationship means to you. Hi, everybody. Um, when I think of a value-adding relationship, I always think of myself first and what I bring to the table um, for every relationship that I'm in. So I always pray that um, I bring value to the lives of the people that I meet and not just take, but to add something um, in your lives as well. That's good. How about you, Augusta? Um, I think for me, when I hear value-added relationships, um, wow, this question kind of got me. <laughs> and it's only the first one. Um, for me, I just kind of think of maintenance. Um, for me, I guess personally for me, um, I'm a person that is... Um, I need to physically hang out with you. I don't do text. I don't do call or do FaceTime. If I don't see you, I will not, I will most likely not reach out to you um, as, consistently, as consistently as I should. And so for me, when I hear that, I hear how do I maintain this relationship, whether far or near? Um, how am I able to keep this relationship going? Like you said, how do I bring value to this relationship? What do I need to do on my end to make sure that the relationship is flowing in a symbiotic relationship? Oh, so, that's yeah. good. You're probably going to have to define symbiotic um, later in, in our discussion. But um, honestly, for me, I would say the same as Saskia. Um, and adding to the fact that when we think about value, like for me, I really think about sacrifice. Um, I think that so much of value comes with a process. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get into it more. But our text is coming from Second Kings Five, mm -hmm. And we are talking about, um, or the story is about Naaman who is healed of leprosy. And so we're going to start right now. But um, from 2 Kings 5, verse 1, it says, Now Naaman has 
Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So I'm going to stop there for now. Um, but I want us to talk about what does that mean? Like, what do you guys think of when you hear the first part of that story? We're starting out the story with a young woman who was captive, who was taken, and then she becomes a maidservant um, to Naaman, and particularly to Naaman's wife. And she saw that her master had leprosy. And so she's like, you know what? I know someone who can cure my master. So what is that for you, Saskia, what would you say, like, looking at that scenario, what do you think about that? I think, first of all, we have to look at um, Naaman as a person, because um, verse 1 actually says, now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded. So when you say highly regarded, it just it means that the people around him respected and honored him. And they loved him, right? And then, he's, and then he says, um, because through him, the Lord had given victory to obviously his king. So he wasn't just seen as any person. He was seen as a valiant soldier. He was amazing. So it's very interesting because that was his maid, but she also valued him as a master as well. And um, her saying... If only, um, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. It just means that there's something that she knows. There's somebody that she knows. She cares about her master's healing. She cares that, man, this guy is my, his, I'm his maid, but however, everything, I still love him enough that I want him to be healed. So he speaks highly of how Naaman treats his servants. That's really good. I mean, when I look at this, this is probably, there's so many great characters that we're going to read throughout the text, but she is probably my most favorite character. I don't even know if most favorite is a word, but it's fine. Um, but she is my favorite character, and that's because, like, how many times in life are we in situations where we are serving in a hard place, right? Mm -hmm. So she could definitely have been someone where she was like, oh no, y'all held me captive. Y'all took me from my home. Why should I help you? Why should I be someone to even add any value to this relationship? I'm just gonna do my job. I'll be the maid servant because I have to be here. But what is it that I need to bring to the table? I'm good where I'm at, but she didn't do that. So how can we, as individuals in our relationships, even in the hard times, in the hard places. I want to know what goes to like, what do you think? How can we be better? Like the maid servant, what can we bring value to? Um, well, I think first, even you just saying that kind of reminded me that all that you just said is exactly how Jesus felt about us. And it kind of reminded me of Philippians 2, things like 7 or 8, where it talks about how um, Jesus came down as a slave. And he, too, also obeyed God. And so um, all of this that we just said or that we even will continue to talk about is all based on the foundation of Christ and our relationship with Christ. And so how that can bring value to a person, I think we need to be aware that um, anybody can bring value to your life, whether it's a close friend. Mm -hmm. um, God can use anybody. He can use the richest man in the world. He can mm -hmm. use Elon Musk 
or you can use the homeless person on the street to kind uh-huh. of bring his vision to life to give you instruction to yeah. make sure that he's going to receive the glory. And so I think it is interesting because out of all the people there, it was the maid servant, the one that was captured and raided. Mm-hmm. That was the one that gave him yeah. the, that it was the person that God used to give him instruction on what he needs to do to be mm-hmm. healed. And so I just think being aware and just understanding that anybody of any social class or whoever can be used Absolutely. by God to yeah. help you in your life. That's so good. That's I good. agree with you mm-hmm. totally. So going more into the text, um, 2 Kings 5, we're at verse 4 now. So Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel has said. By all means, go. The king of Aram replied, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, talking with him, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, with this letter, I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read this letter, he tore his robes and said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. There's so much drama in the Bible. That's why y'all need to read y'all's Bible. I'm trying to tell (laughs) y'all. There is some good tea. Man. So off the root, right? Like off the back of this, I'm reading this and I'm thinking like, gosh, is there misplaced expectation? Mm. Or... Is it the fact that, you know, the king didn't know his role? Was the the king who sent the letter to this other king? Was it the fact that, like, okay, he's like, look, this is my friend. Solve it. Was it a communication issue? There's so many things that we deal with in relationships every single day that this short text is revealing to us. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go to Saskia again, the beautiful Saskia. Hey, y'all. Okay. (laughs) So um, I think... If you actually look at it, is a lot of things, like you said, is going on here. Um, first of all, we don't actually know the full relationship between both kings. Um, for all we know, like, I think they had just recently probably won a war. And obviously, he's thinking, really, so you're going, you're, you're going to send somebody to me. And then more importantly, I think if we go deeper into it, that's when obviously Prophet Elisha shows up. Um, the king is not fully aware and of what is going on in his in his castle, should I say, or in his environment. So he was so quick to, you know, get upset and be like, I can't do this, I can't do this. But if you, as a king, know your servants, or know the people around you, you will know who you can delegate that task to. How often have we heard something that somebody said to us and we get offended? Mm. When the message really was they're probably just coming to you for help or coming to you for something of value that they felt like you could bring to the table. But sometimes you then turn it around and make it about yourself. And then you get all offended, like, really, why would you come to me? You know I cannot do that. Meanwhile, you may, if you actually sit back, relax and think, I can't do this, but who do I know that can help this person? Yeah. So I think like whenever people come to us, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I believe in resources. We have friends who can do stuff. If I break my back, I know who to go to. If I hurt myself, if I need whatever, I know who to go to. So it's like I may not know the exact person to go to, but I know who I can reach out to that will give me the resource that I need to get to that level. So a lot of things may have happened. They heard about the king of Israel or blah, 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 but the king took it like, 
all all the way personal. Like, are you trying to pick a fight with me? Right. Meanwhile, oh, you came to me for help. Right. How can I help? Yeah. So there are very like two different ways of how he would have you know perceived that and, letter. And I think you know Sasuke is really right about that. It's about perspective, right? And so like sometimes when we are communicating with people, even the king who sent the letter, maybe if his communication was different and how he worded it, the delivery of it, it may have been different in that context. So I think it's a lot for us to learn. Do you want to weigh in on this, Augusta? Yeah, so it's crazy how interesting the Bible is because one thing can mean 10 different things and they can all be correct. So I say that because I actually got something different because when I see that, like you said, if we like scroll up or if you go back to, is it verse two where it talks about how um, Naaman's people raided Israel, which are the people he's asking for help for. Mm -hmm. I thought more of it as like, be careful with burning bridges and be careful with harboring yeah. unforgiveness because mm -hmm. depending on the situation, See how he went and burnt his bridges, and he was almost not able to have the access of the help that he needed. And um, even then, now you have the king of Israel now harboring unforgiveness. And so it plays both ways. Yeah. Um, both sides do have a role to play in it, but um, it is somewhat on our onus to make sure that we are not burning the bridges and that even though, yes, sometimes we may fall out, to still make sure that um, you can still have that access when needed because just because you don't like that person, just because you don't get along with this person doesn't mean that they don't have something that you may need in the future. Absolutely. So, and then also with unforgiveness, be careful with unforgiveness because as we'll read later, um, having unforgiveness almost kept um, what God wanted to happen to Naaman from happening. And so harboring unforgiveness can put up barriers around yeah. us that keep God from working in our lives that keep God from using yeah. us to help other people. So, yeah. That's, so true. That's, That's really so true. good. Yeah. So going from verse 8, it says, When Elisha, the man of God, heard the king of Israel, had torn his robe, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. Hmm. I'm just going to stop there because that text is so good. One, Elisha knew who he was in God. And many times we're faced in situations where we can see chaos happening around us and we may not speak up. And then it begs me to ask the question, do we know who we are in Christ? Do we know our value to God? Do we know the service that what our service can bring to change the situation around us in our relationships? So Elijah saw that he was valuable to his king only because he was valuable to God because his service to God allowed him to have a communion, in him, communion with him that allowed him to know his identity in Christ. So I'm really thinking like, man, I mean, if we want to be real with ourselves, do we know who we are in Christ? Hmm. Like, yeah. could we be an Elisha? Mm -hmm. Can we say like, man, you know, I know there's a servant of God, his name is Agosa, there's a servant of God named Melissa, there's a servant of God named Saskia, and we'll be able to stand and say, why are you tearing your robes? Like, why are you running helter-skelter? Why are you just like, yeah, like, the confidence that we have in God, is it going to, like, well, are we going to show up? And I don't mean show up as yourself, but show up as who God says you are. But we're going to continue to read. Let's just marinate on that. And I hope you guys are speaking in the chat box because I'm going to go back and read it after. We're all going to go back and read it after. <laughs> we want to see, see your comments, mm -hmm. y'all. We want to engage with you guys. Mm -hmm. God bless you. Nine. 
And so, verse 9, it says, So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in rage. What do y'all think? Naaman, Naaman, Naaman. Um, okay, first of all, I just want to say something about um, God was with Naaman in this whole process. Although we did see characteristics of Naaman that may not be so great, despite the fact that he was a great servant, he, had also, he also had things that he needed to work on. As you can see, that also includes anger. Um, he said, whenever he said... Um, for prophet um, Elisha to send a message to the king, the king still listened and gave Naaman the, um, Naaman the message. A message went over and he went over to um, Elisha. The issue here is Naaman had expectations. And I think that is something that if we're talking about value adding relationships, I think that's something that we always have to manage in every relationship that we have. First of all, Naaman really shouldn't have had access to Elisha, period. And um, because he was being sent by a king, he probably felt like, this is my, you know, do you know who I am? I helped my king Aram win all these battles and everything. So he thought because he was respected in his own place, he would expect the same level of um, red carpet pull out an audience right, yeah, whenever yeah. he went over to Israel. But it's not like that. So God really humbled him with his expectations. So I feel like sometimes our expectations of people is higher than really what we've what, what, what it's supposed to be. And sometimes we expect so much because we feel like maybe we, we, we deserve how we, how we detect on how we need to be treated from the other person or whatever. And so that other way clouds our judgment and clouds how things are seen. Meanwhile, um, he, um, he was under instruction. No matter what, you need to know what are you bringing to the table? What value are you bringing? Really, Naaman had leprosy. Leprosy was one of the worst, worst is one of the worst diseases to have. It's actually contagious. But if you think about it, he went with his servants to these places. He was still going to all these places, but he was highly contagious. But none of the people around him had leprosy. So it really wasn't a plague. It was more of a, an affliction that was actually aimed at Naaman. And Naaman needed to be reminded, listen, bro. You came here for something, you're here for something, meaning that don't forget your why. Mm. Sometimes we forget our why and somebody acts some type of way in a relationship, we're so quick to quit the relationship. Meanwhile, there is something that God has placed in that person that you need to pull out or get from that person to propel you to the next level of your life. But we don't because we all get so emotional and we're thinking, oh, why wasn't I respected? Why didn't they come out to say hi to me? Why didn't this person do that? Meanwhile, you're the one that need the help. How about you humble yourself 
and realize that she, she, if they tell me um, go to the river and run around like two times, do like this, I would do it because I need to be cured of my leprosy. You know what I'm saying? So we need to understand that pride is a very thin line between pride and obedience because sometimes we really need to be more obedient and maybe we get our why later. But obedience, well, I always say, is better than sacrifice. And obviously, we'll, we'll read further um, in, the, in the text where we see the value of friendship and the value of relationship that will pull Naaman back to where he needs to be. Augusta, can we talk a little bit about process? Because if we look at the text, like, Naaman was just like, look, can you wave your hand over my spot? Like, can you just, <laughs> just come out? Like, do what you got to do so I can be gone. Because yes. like Saskia said, he was so highly regarded where he was coming from, even with his affliction. So sometimes we can be carrying something, and we've had it for so long, we're like, oh, it's, I mean, it's a big deal, but it's not really that much of a big deal, because I'm still a king, or I'm still a, a great warrior, X, Y, Z. But we forget about there's a process that has to happen in relationship. A lot of times I think people are looking for like a overnight situations. That's why I mean no shade, no tea in our generation and in Gen Z. Okay. A lot I mean, hey, a lot of times people want this quick fix, this overnight success. Or you know, oh you're my friend today, I can drop you tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Those type of situations when in reality like everything with God is it's a process. process. Yeah. 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 So before I touch on that, I God He's good because he, as we were reading this, he kind of spoke to me on whenever he was complaining, like, oh, I was expecting this to happen. I was expecting all the things, the angels in the heavens to fall down. Um, it just kind of shows how ritualistic we can be, um, especially us, a lot of us growing up in African church or culture, whether it's Indian, Hispanic, Asian, we grew up in a lot of ritualistic things, expecting that God is going to do this. And when he doesn't do it, we think that it's not him. But when you read your word, you kind of see that God is not going to always be the person that's going to just make the loudest noise. He's not going to always come out and yeah. um, make the biggest impression. God is going to work in the best way that he does. And the best way we can experience God is just even just sitting and resting in his presence yeah. and dwelling in his presence. God doesn't have to come out here and open the sky and swallow us whole to know that it's God. Um, and I think that's a, a, an issue that a lot of us, even I guess something that happened back then, we still struggle with to this day is that, we become very ritualistic. Even in our walks with Christ, yeah. we do the same thing over and over. Oh, I must read my word. Oh, I must pray 10 minutes a day. Oh, I must speak in tongues for 33.5 seconds. <laughs> and in reality, that's not how it works. Each and every day we spend with Christ, each and every day with our walk with Christ is going to be different. different. But just because it's yeah. not the same every day doesn't mean that it's not God that's moving. So that's what I have to say about that. Now regarding the process. Wait, 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 but that was good. No, no, no. Like, that was good. Like, Y'all hear the load the bell. <laughs> In the chat box, I need to see some fire emojis. Oh, I need y'all to be like, much, I will not, not be ritualistic, Amen. okay? I will be spirit-led in Jesus' Amen. name. Amen. That's a prayer. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Sure is. So now with the process, I think the biggest takeaway we could also take besides God using anybody to pour into you is obedience. Yeah. Um, and especially with Naaman. He was looking for, I want it now, like you said. He wanted it now, but he was more worried about the result mm. versus the process. And um, like we just talked about, I think that's another issue that we struggle with is that we come to God and we just come to God asking God, I need this to be done. I need this to be done. In reality, a lot of us don't have a relationship with him. Mm. A lot of us just see God as our, fairly God, our fairy godparent, to be honest. We only come to him when we need something in. When we need it, we need it done now. Yeah. Um, and I think that is the issue that we see here, especially with process, because a lot of us don't understand that God's work, most of God's work or the 
biggest fruit that we can get um, when we're asking for something, when we're going through something, mm-hmm. is the process, is the struggle. Absolutely. That's where we get to understand God the most. That's where we get to see him the most. That's yeah. where we get to see God work in the highs and the lows. That's where we get to spend the most time with God. That's when we can really purge out what we need, and that's when God can really pour into us is through the process and through that time of, like, getting to where we want to get to. And so yeah. um, I think we see that as an issue for Naaman, and um, we can see how that plays a role in getting to what he wants because that's when he starts mm-hmm. to complain, like, I was expecting this, I was expecting that. And then he starts complaining like, I'm not about to do all this crazy stuff. I'm a king, I'm looking like a fool, I'm looking like a dunce. I'm not doing all this and all that. But he didn't know that that was what was preparing him for his testimony. And so I think we need to make sure that we realize that the process is more important than the result and the act of obedience. The process is the act of obedience. obedience. It's not not receiving what we're asking for, it's obeying. That process of obeying is the act of obedience. So the act of obedience is oftentimes just as important, if not more important than what we're asking for. So, yeah, yeah, it's very, no, it's, I would say that it's very important because I was just, like, while you were speaking, I just thought of my marriage, right? And how I had this expectation when I got, when we, before we got married, right? And I was like, ah, oh, you know, I'm going to be that wife. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm that wife that would like wear makeup, do all these things, like be all like slayed, like, you know, and um, I'm not going to, like, you know, sometimes when, when I used to see like other women, like down, you know, at church, I'd be like, ah, why is she doing that? Why is she letting herself go? <laughs> and, you know, it, it, it's very interesting because you're, we, we, we Outs from an outside, and as an outsider looking in, it was so easy for me to say the things that I will and I will not do. And then I, <laughs> oh Jesus, and then I got married. And then I realized, I say, yeah. I was <laughs> like, there are so many things that, there's so many layers that comes to even your character that you learn about yourself being married to somebody else. Because sometimes we think, well, he's married, I'm a prize, I'm this, I'm that. Ladies, men, you're not all that, calm down. Because your marriage and the person that you are with will humble you because they will reveal certain things about yourself that you you weren't even aware of. Then you realize that you are not as perfect and rosy as you thought you were. So when you talk about the process is like when we, we always see the result. The result we always see this happy marriage, man and woman, babies around the corner. You take that happy family photo. But people actually forget the process that it gets to them to that level where you don't end up in divorce, you're not fighting, you're not doing counseling every day and everything. And it's that process that you go through every day that you wake up, that conscious effort that you make that would then make you say, you know what, this is going to work by the grace of God. Then you realize that you cannot go through the process by yourself. Yeah, That's the thing. Process, even if you say obedience or that, it's part of it. But there's no way that God will take you through a journey and you think that you can rely on your own strength and not rely on the strength of God. Meaning that God will bring you destiny helpers to help you in that relationship. God will bring you people, even give you the wisdom that you need to function well in that relationship. So when we're talking about like value-adding relationship, I'm not just saying about marriage. I'm also talking about friendship. I'm talking about mentorship. I'm talking about everything. What are you bringing to the table? Forget, yes, there is a process. There's a lot of things. But you also have to be willing to every day 
wake up and make a conscious effort to be like, this is a process, I get it. But what am I doing to aid that process, to be able to get me the result that I'm, 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 I'm dreaming of or achieving? What is it to you? What is it to me? What is it to you in our relationship? So, yeah. And quickly to add on that, sorry. Um, I think that the process that Naaman went through um, is a good example of a process that we all go through with our walks with Christ and with a lot of our friendships, um, and that's uncomfort. Mm -hmm. um, un uncomfortability is kind of like embedded in the foundation of our, of our relationship with Christ because when we look, God being on the cross is very uncomfortable, not just for him, but just for us as human beings. Us dying to the things that our flesh loves and picking up the cross and following Christ is very, very, very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And so, um, like we said earlier, everything, our relationship with God is kind of a mirror of how our relationships are with people. Yeah. And so I think that's yeah. interesting that you say that because I think sometimes when we get to that level of uncomfort or when we have friendships that we have to like tell them the hard truths or whenever we have friends that don't take the truth well and so we hold our tongue, we kind of just like, ah, 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 but that's part of the process. Having those uncomfortable conversations with your friends or even with your family members yeah. or your siblings or with your coworkers, that is part of the process of getting to where we need to get to. And so um, yeah. I think we just need to be mindful of what our mindset is when we do think about the process and when we do think about that uncomfort because it's actually how it's supposed to be, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's so true. Um, I know some of you guys tuned in today because you were like, man, five ways on how to get my bae if you don't have a Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. you Zingle. were like, you know, y'all gonna tell me how I can secure the bag, secure my husband, no. secure my wife, X, Y, Z. But honestly, in reality, this right here is what's going to help you secure those things, being someone who is valuable. And the next text goes into Naaman's servants. Naaman's servants went to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as a man of God had told him and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Mm -hmm. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. I just want to stop there. If he didn't have yeah. his servants with him, not just any type of servants, but real friends, as we were talking about, Real friends that can hold you accountable and be like, you tripping, bro. You about to miss your healing. You want to be a leper for the rest of your life? Like, honestly, if he would have told you something that was super grandiose, but how do you deal with the mundane things? How are you dealing with the things that are so simple? In our day-to-day -day life, I feel like we miss it all the times. Like, we have to, ch we miss it all the time. We don't check our character. Mm. Like, in the, like how, how do I speak to you, Agosa? Am I kind when I'm speaking to you? Am I really, like, am I showing the heart of God? Am I having compassion for your situation? Mm. When I'm even trying to communicate with you, how do I relate with you? And a lot of times we miss it. Mm. We miss it with the little things because we're so worried about, oh, God, I can't wait to you take me here and until I become the next Kamala Harris or I'm going to be president like Joe Biden or XYZ, whoever the person is that, you know, you're Elon Musk or whatever it is Man. that you want to do that aspire to whatever height. But in the little things, we suck if we want to keep it real. Yeah. We have to check ourselves and then also have people that are not yes men around us. People are just like, 
yeah, 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 good job, but can be like, yeah, good job, but I think that maybe X, Y, Z, and that's why also you can't be a hater. So because if you're someone who's a hater, nobody's gonna be around, gonna be a, want to be around you anyway because yeah. they're like, are you even valuable to me? All you're doing is hating on me. I can't even trust what you're saying to be accountable. Yeah. But Naaman's servants, although they were servants, were not hating. They saw something that, you know what, I no longer want my master to be afflicted. Yeah. I no longer want him to go through these things. So let me tell him the truth real quick so he could get his healing. And that's how he got his healing. Pretty much. <laughs> and if we look at the text, he says that now I know that there's no other God in mm. all of the world, in all of the world except for the God in Israel. Mm. That is so good. Yeah. I mean, and then if you like go down to 16 and it says... Um, um, the prophet answered, as surely as the Lord lives, whom I, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. Mm. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. And now this is where I know we talked about this yesterday, even with Emeka, and we talked about salvation being, quote unquote, free. Um, that we can't, um, there's no payment. Honestly, if you think about it, Naaman went there with leprosy. He got into the River Jordan, and by the special grace yes. of God, he, he was healed. And then he wanted to give a gift to um, Elisha and say, you know what? I'm here with all this gold and all these things, yeah. and I really need to give it to somebody. Because I came here wanting to give this to somebody, the person that would heal me of this affliction. Mm. And he wanted to give the person material gift. Meanwhile, the person, the healer, mm. which who is actually God, um, is who you should give the gift to. Mm -hmm. Now, how can you gift a God that already has everything? Yeah. So Elisha was, and Elisha was saying that I cannot receive this because he knew that he did not have the power and the power did not come from him. Mm. When we receive salvation, when we receive healing, we're supposed to go tell it on the mountain over the hills and everywhere we're supposed to that is when our evangelism mm. even becomes more powerful right because yeah. we are saying that hey i have tasted and i have seen the goodness yeah. of god because i have tasted and i've seen i can't shut up yeah. when people who have had real experiences with god they don't know how to sit still Naaman went there not being a believer yeah. and left there being a believer without having his hands, without the Elisha's hands physically touching him. Mm. All he had was an experience with God. And that experience is what made him change his tongue, change his character. And he says, I am going to, I'm going to tell people that there's only the God, that there's a God. It's a different kind of God here in Israel. If I had to leave where I was, I was to come here to get to know this God, the mission is already accomplished. One thing that I also want to say is, who are the people that you have that that you have around you that is helping you get to that salvation, that place of where God can work with you and God can do things for you and they are accountable. Those servants were not ordinary servants. Yeah. Do you think it's easy for any servant to tell the master and be like, guy, listen, like they said that if you enter this river, you're going to be healed. What's wrong with you? But if you, you, yeah, they would have they would have been probably walking back to you know back home because they'd be like, how dare you talk to me? So no matter how angry um, Naaman was, Naaman was probably quick to anger, but he was also quick to listen. 
listen to his servant for him to get to that point. But one thing I do want to say is when God does something for you, it's your job not to keep quiet. Yeah. Not, it's, it's, it, your gift that you're giving may not be, oh, because God did this, I'm going to go and give the poor $100,000. Our job is to win souls. We're, just like the story of the lost sheep, we're supposed to go out there and f help God, help fill the kingdom of God yeah. so that people that, we were not, we're not experiencing that alone. You know what I'm saying? If you experience greatness or experience the feeling of God, you don't want to shut up. You want to shout it on the rooftop and tell yes. the world. Yeah. You want to shout That's it. Good. You want to yeah. shout it. And honestly, guys, our time is up, but yeah. we want to leave you with something. You know, in marketing, we have this thing that we call value proposition, right? And so it's an innovation service or feature intended to make a company or product attractive to the customers. And I want to ask you, how are you attracted to God? Mm. What is it about you? What is your value proposition to Jesus? So he's the most valuable person in our lives, clearly. For the Gap Church, Jesus is the most valuable because he is the ultimate chief servant. So in this moment, if you want to give your life to Christ, if you even want to rededicate your life to Christ and say, you know what, God, you know, I'm coming to you. Maybe I've done this before in the past. I'm trying to change my life. I'm trying to do things differently. Or you never even knew God. And you're like, God, I need you. I need you in this moment. I want to give my life to you, Jesus. I want to tell you that, you know, everything that I've done in the past, it doesn't matter anymore, but I'm committing myself to you. This is your time. I want to let you know that Jesus loves you. I want to let you know that Jesus is here for you in this moment so that you can give your life to Christ. And we have in the text, they're going to show you um, a form of a text where you can text someone and let us know if you want to give your salvation. You can write it in the chat box. You can send us a message on Instagram. You can send us an email, however you want to do it. But I want you to know, welcome to our family. Yeah. We love you so much. Thank you for tuning in to the Gap Church Podcast. We hope this message blessed you. If you made that choice to give your life to Christ, congratulations. We celebrate you. Don't forget to text SAVED to 817-382-2244. Again, text SAVED to 817-382-2244. Thank you so much and have a blessed week.